Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. And welcome to The Dish, a connectivity business news podcast. My name is Madeline Durrett, Senior Associate Editor at Connectivity Business News. And today we're speaking with Tarun Gupta, Co-Founder and Chief Product Officer at Skylo Technologies, which recently teamed up with Viasat to launch a global direct-to-device network. Tarun, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Madeline. Definitely appreciate it. So Skylo and Viasat are calling this network the first global direct-to-device network. What sets this network apart from some of the other collaborative direct-to-device partnerships we've seen throughout the industry? That's a great question. When I look at what's happening in the industry today, and it's a very hot space, there's all these qualifiers that kind of come with it. So, for example, there are relationships that are out there today between satellite players and specific mobile operators or a satellite player, let's say, or a, um, a provider and, an ex- and a specific country or a specific satellite or a specific spectrum bands. And so what makes this one different is we're dealing with Viasat, who is a tremendous partner of ours, which allows for global connectivity using existing spectrum, using existing satellites, existing ground stations, existing services, which really means that we are able to offer commercial services today. And so, you know, it's not something you have to wait for. It's not something that you have to kind of think about, well, when the FCC does this for a rule change, we can do A, B, or C. It's this is available today that allows users and, you know, enterprises and consumers to understand that when they're out of cellular coverage, they can have satellite connectivity as well to supplement their connectivity needs. Thank you. And why do you think collaboration between companies that maybe we might normally view as competitors is kind of a trend in the direct-to-device market. And one thing I've noticed that I I actually was covering recently is that the federal government, they're planning to free up some airwaves for commercial providers. So do you think maybe that's a factor in companies choosing to collaborate to utilize existing airwaves so that they can be resourceful? I do. When I think about, you know, um, you know, years ago, it was sort of having – um, electricity, gas, and water to your house. Now you have to add internet to that or connectivity to that as the sort of the next sort of staple and requirement. And, you know, when I think about the, the, this market, it's growing so fast and it's so new. Absolutely companies are coming together to figure out what the right partnerships look like. I mean, if I think about the cellular industry that started out 40 years ago in the U.S., you know, there were Dozens of companies trying to build separate networks and compete with each other. And over time, there was consolidation. The industry shook out and people understood that, hey, this is what we need in order to make the consumer ultimately successful and these businesses ultimately successful. And so when I think about this, this, you know, partnership that we have with Viasat now, I would say that, you know, D2D is still new. And so we're trying to figure out, does this really work? What's the, what's the monetization plan and what, what is the consumer really looking for? And so this allows us to enter into the market, you know, without putting a lot of capital from both sides with, with, it allows us to kind of dip our toe in the water and learn, Hey, what, what really is wanted here by consumers or enterprises? What's the use case? What's the willingness to pay? What's going to happen and how will this expand and how will this evolve over time? So I think working together 
allows us to be um, much more, you know, much more uh, influential together and frankly address the needs of the consumer that much more quickly. So instead of having, you know, three or four different interpretations on what to do or three or four different paths on how to go after the market, you're kind of kind of going after this in a collaborative approach and making sure that we can spin and iterate and and evolve features and features us quite rapidly. Thank you. And would you kind of elaborate for our listeners on what each company's role is in this partnership? We, this is a this is a true partnership in every sense of the word. I mean, so we're both out there selling and working with customers and consumers. We're both out there, you know, providing the same network. So it's not two different networks. It's the same satellite, the same spectrum, the same RAM, the same core, the same services that someone would offer, the same billing platforms, things like that. So it's really two pieces of the puzzle coming together to provide a coherent, consistent solution into the marketplace. So when you, when you're buying a Biosat service on direct to device, it's really running over parts of the, you know, Skylo network and we're buying a Skylo network from somebody. It's running parts over parts of the Viaset network. So this is truly a collaborative partnership where we each have a, you know, a significant share in terms of the success for a company and in terms of what, you know, what each, each party is bringing to the table. And you're bringing a lot more resilience to the network as well. Absolutely. I mean, you know, people, there's people out there that are talking around providing end-to-end connectivity today. And what you recognize is, at least what we recognize is launching, designing, building, operating, launching, maintaining satellites is hard work. You know, it's, it's a lot of work that takes a lot of expertise that frankly takes decades to understand and still all the, you know, and, and still you're seeing issues where it, things don't go off cleanly. And, you know, when I think about that, Having those companies want to get into SIM management and roaming profiles and CDRs and activation flows is, is frankly not their core expertise. And all that can be done is just you really want to focus and specialize on what people and companies can do best. And, you know, when I think about companies that want to do it all, you know, you kind of don't you kind of go very shallow and go very wide. And I think for us, we really want to make sure the end consumer is happy, the end subscriber is happy, and it's really a seamless, flawless experience, right? I, I think about years ago when I had this, my, my first cell phone, there were times a lot of drop calls on the highway and I had to go stand next to a window and you kind of had to wonder if connectivity was there and that's kind of out the window. Now you kind of think that connectivity is going to be where you are. We want to make sure that NTN and that direct to device is in that same boat where if you're not, if cellular is not present, you know, NTN or directed device is there to back as a good backup. Thank you. And what was the biggest challenge in the development process for this service? It's absolutely a new paradigm, right? I mean, when you think about directed device, it's, it's really, is it going to be used? Is it not going to be used? What's the monetization model? How should people think about it? I mean, Apple has done a great job at releasing their iPhone 14 and 15 in terms of offering satellite connectivity, but they really haven't released a lot of statistics in terms of how many people are using that uh, that SOS service. And I'm not, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you don't want a lot of people to use it because you want to make sure that they're safe. But at the same time, you know, people are doing these things for um, for economic improvement and making sure that there's a, there's a benefit here. So I think the, the, the challenge that I see was how do we, 
convince people that there is a market here, it's worth taking a bet on, and it's worth at least exploring to figure out how do we take advantage of this. And frankly, over the last two years, we've been extremely surprised and extremely happy with people coming to us with, you know, um, new use cases, with the, the percentage of time, at, even in the U.S., where um, devices are out of cellular coverage, which which was frankly a shock to me because, you know, whenever I look at coverage maps, it's, they're either all red or all blue or all magenta, and that's not necessarily the case. You never think certain areas will have connectivity problems, but really no one's immune wherever they are. Look, we we work and live here um, in near Palo Alto, California, which is arguably one of the biggest tech hubs on the planet. And five minutes from our office, there's areas where there's no cell connectivity, which is frankly surprising. And so, you know, God forbid if you're out on a hike or whatever and you fall down or break your ankle or do something, and what do you do? You have to kind of rely on somebody walking by and carrying you down or doing something because, you know, you want to make sure that you're safe. You know, if you want to be connected, you should have that ability to to do so. Thank you. And kind of still on topic, um, would you be able to provide us with kind of a full timeline of this mission? When did discussions begin? Where are you now? And where do you see the future for this network going? You mentioned, you know, safety capabilities, but do you see the capabilities exceeding that in the future? Um, well, even today, we're offering SOS service. I mean, our customers are offering SOS services. Our customers are offering, you know, location tracking as an example, and our customers are even offering two-way texting. So absolutely, SOS, I think, is the, the core use case or a primary use case. But just like the initial cell phone, you know, when it was kept in the glove box of your car for emergency breakdowns, I can see or I, I, I am seeing there's a tremendous amount of people who are using this service for just two-way texting, just for checking in. Hey, mom, how are you? Or hey, I'm lost, or I'm on a hike, or whatever it is. So absolutely, and I think in the future, you will see higher bandwidth use cases, like pictures and things like that. I'm still on the fence as to whether you want to watch a, um, you know, a high-speed 3D, you know, sorry, high-speed 4K video on Netflix or YouTube when you're out hiking in the middle of the Everglades, let's say, or out in uh, Yosemite. It's unclear if that's really a business model to me, but Absolutely, you know, checking in and, and texting and doing, you know, I have a customer who came to us looking at doing remote payments. Think about farm to table. Think about buying directly from agriculture. Think about, you know, um, um, energy and pipelines and out here where we have for, uh, fires that may be caused by electric lines falling down. I mean, absolutely, those are things that you want to manage and measure and control. So, I see a whole host of new use cases coming out, not only on the consumer side, but also on the enterprise IoT side, um, you know, uh, quickly. I think on the timeline side, you know, Skyla has been focused on the directed device space for the last four or five years. It just wasn't called directed device at the time. It was we were doing a standards-based connectivity model, and we've done, you know, we 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 made our own beta hardware in the beginning to to prove that. You could get a device the size of a, you know, the size of a, a laptop to connect directly to satellite. We, based upon our patents and what we've been able to do, we've gotten devices the size of an AirTag now to direct, connect directly to geostationary satellite. 
So, you know, if I look at that type of evolution that we've been able to do in the last three or four years ourselves, I, I'm just I'm, I'm excited to see what will happen in the next three to four years. Wow. And like you mentioned, directed device services, they're becoming critical for IoT applications and in various sectors from mobility, farming and, and defense, because, partly because of the minimization of network hardware needed. To what extent can this also reduce end user costs and promote digital equity? Yeah, it's a great question. When I when I think about what we've been able to do, and frankly, the 3GPP has um, uh, standardized the, the, this, you know, has done this releases and standardized sort of the, the feature sets here. The same hardware that can do cellular can also do satellite now. And the benefit for that is now if you're a farmer or if you're an energy company or anyone, frankly, you want to have a device, you've now reduced the number of SKUs in your truck, the number of spares, the number of training, the number of devices that your technician has to carry from two down to one. I mean, you're removing and minimizing truck rolls, as an example. So the same hardware, the same sort of cost structure that is, you know, afforded to the cellular industry that is on the realm of, you know, hundreds of millions per month, you're now in the situation where that same device and that scale can come to the satellite world. That's phenomenal. So zero incremental cost for satellite communications. You know, when I think about um, being very efficient on the dollar per bit level, you're able to have communications directly to satellite for literally pennies per transmission. That's huge. I mean, I think, you know, to be, before you were looking at satellites connectivity being, you know, tens to hundreds of dollars per month for just single bit rate type of communications. Now you're, like I said, pennies to do it to a buck a month. Absolutely. You know, my, um, you know, I just, I, I'd be very happy to pay a dollar a month for that, that type of SOS or that type of insurance plan to have that connectivity. And, you know, we've been approached by cattle tracking as an example, or um, like I said, payments, or just tracking a truck, or tracking goods, or just doing all sorts of things. It's amazing. It's it's well well within that new economic realm to make it work for both the service provider as well as the consumer and the user. Wow, that's that's a lot of savings and <laughs> a lot of efficiency. <laughs> No, absolutely. And I think, you know, what has really driven that was our tech. And we actually have 85, more than 85 patents now on our technology, which has really not only drastically reduced the cost of satellite services by one to two orders of magnitude, but also has increased the efficiency of what we're finding on the network. So we believe we're one of the most efficient, you know, dollar per hertz systems that are out in the uh, in the market today. Thank you. And you kind of, you probably touched upon this in your previous response, but I just have one more question for you. What has been the most rewarding part of this, of the development of this network for you? And what does it mean for Skylo as a connectivity provider? When we, when we started the company a couple of years ago, maybe five years ago now, we had a vision of bringing cellular standards to satellite connectivity to really, frankly, connect the unconnected and the underconnected for you know, to take advantage of IoT services for, you know, cloud compute and for um, uh, data analytics and things like that. And, you know, four or five years ago, people were thinking we were crazy. They're like, why would you do this? What's the value of this? You know, is there a business model here? 
And I think our partnership with Viasat has really proved that um, it validates the market. It validates our plan. It validates everything we've been working on for the last couple of years. And I think we were so excited to take this from, you know, from an idea or an incubation stage to something that is commercially rolled out now. And, you know, to have, we have one smartphone vendor that we've announced. We're going to have another one that we're going to announce shortly. We're going to have, again, when you think about devices the size of an AirTag connecting to satellite, you really open up a lot of capabilities, whether it's, you know, tracking my pet, whether it's tracking my kid's backpack, whether it's my bicycle, whether it's automatic crash detection for helmets, as an example, you know, in the event that somebody's out mountain biking. I mean, you know, uh, as a family, we're big hikers, and although we hike together, there are times when somebody strays off the path and you don't know where they are and you'd like to figure out, you know, hey, are we lost or I need to call for help and just a text to, to see if you're okay. That's huge. And I think, you know, this has been exciting to me because to me, the cellular industry, you know, is at this 5G, 6G kind of window now. Satellite or direct device, we're at that 1G today. So when I think about the evolution path cellular has gone through, we're now at that inception of that journey on the satellite side, and I'm really, really excited to see what we can bring on the satellite side to consumers to want to have connectivity, um, again, anywhere anywhere they are. I look forward to whatever comes next from Skylo. <laughs> yeah, so, so I. we're excited <laughs> about it as well. That about wraps up today's episode. Thanks so much again to Tarun Gupta, co-founder and chief product officer of Skylo Technologies for joining us. This has been the Dish Podcast by Connectivity Business News. Thank you, Madeline. Thanks for having me.